Social structures play a critical role in determining access to resources, knowledge, power, and social connections. For a physician facing an intractable clinical problem, finding a solution might require looking outside the exam room and considering the social, political, and economic factors that influence the patient's health. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Cheryl Seymour, Medical Director of the Maine Mobile Health Program and a faculty physician at the Maine Dartmouth Family Medicine Residency. As part of the journal's Case Studies in Social Medicine series, Dr. Seymour has co-authored a perspective article about developing a structural differential. Dr. Seymour, in your article, you described the case of a migrant farm worker with acute risk tendinitis and how a structural differential ultimately led to a solution for this common injury. So how would physicians typically treat the patient you described, and what would his long-term outlook have been in that case if structural factors weren't being considered? I think most of us are treating patients without consideration for structural factors at this time. And this type of patient that we describe in the case is a very a common type of patient, a common presentation amongst farm workers with an acute overuse injury. And the treatment that we typically offer is anti-inflammatories and advice to stop working, which many of our patients are unable to comply with for a whole variety of reasons. And so typically patients continue with sort of limited interventions that may help with pain, but don't really address why they're having an injury or why they're unable to comply with a treatment plan. And they may end up with a longer-term injury or it may resolve when they are able to rest. But ultimately, they continue with a recurrent problem that may have longer-term consequences in terms of their ability to work in the future and support their families. So it may not be obvious to the physician when a patient has health problems that could be affected by social forces. So what kinds of conversations should physicians have to elicit that information? That's a great question. I think that we have learned in medicine that taking a history gives us the answers and a lot of the information that we need to make the correct diagnosis and to formulate an effective treatment plan. But at the same time, the way that we take histories typically is very structured, fairly unidirectional, and narrow. The typical social history that you might take on an admission to the hospital might include a patient's substance use, their marital status, or their occupational history. But expanding that inquiry can give us a lot more information that helps us understand the larger picture of a patient's lived reality and their experience of illness or their experience of trying to navigate the healthcare system. So we think about the idea, for me, a word that's been useful is the idea of curiosity. So curiosity to me includes sort of an openness to different perspectives other than the standard way in which we tend to gather information. And it also implies to me sort of an ability to keep asking why, why it is that a situation isn't improving in the way that we might expect or why a patient isn't able to follow a treatment plan. And I think for me, this way of thinking has been new and something that I've been practicing and In the case, we cite an assessment tool that was developed by one of my co-authors and his colleagues, and it's called a structural vulnerability assessment tool. And just as we teach medical students to use mnemonics to make sure they include all the organ systems when they develop a clinical differential diagnosis, we are offering this tool as a way for clinicians to begin to recognize the different spheres that may contribute to 
structural vulnerability in our patients. So whether you use the tool in a formal way as a screening tool in your practice or whether you turn to that tool after you've had a challenging interaction or you have patients difficult to discharge from the hospital, it can allow you to start to expand your perspective on what the causes of illness might be that are structural rather than the typical causes of illness that we have been trained to think about, which are rooted in the patient's biology or their behavior. When I work with residents in my practice, we do case reviews of surprising outcomes or difficult cases, just as probably most learners are doing in all settings. And we pause partway through the history to generate that clinical differential diagnosis. And lately, we've been also taking that opportunity to think about the patient and the situation with a structural perspective, using tools to help us learn about how to do that. And I think when we practice that work, whether it's in the direct care of a patient or whether it's more of an intellectual exercise in a learning environment, it allows us to sort of develop an awareness of structural forces so that it becomes a natural part of the way that we understand illness And then that influences the way that we interact with patients and also the way that we design systems within healthcare. So how do you make the time to address such broad issues in the course of a short standard visit? I think that's a great question. And I don't know that in every single visit you complete a full vulnerability assessment tool. But I do think that we all can immediately think of patients in our practices Or maybe it's a clinical diagnosis that we're working with at a population level. But there are challenges that we're all facing in healthcare, challenging situations, things that feel hopeless or maybe intractable. And those are the opportunities to step back and to reexamine the narrative that we currently have about that particular problem or that particular patient. So the idea that someone's non-adherent or that this health disparity might be persistent and maybe almost accepted as inevitable, those are times when we can include and or apply a structural analysis to the situation or to the patient. And it may not be in real time, but over time, as we work with a problem or we work with a patient, we can think structurally even in the moment, and that will shift the way that we conceive of solutions and that we put together, say, a treatment plan for an individual patient. In the case you describe in your article, the physician was able to go out and directly observe the conditions that led to the injuries. How often do physicians have that kind of opportunity, and what could be done to facilitate it? I think this case is a unique one, and we chose it as a way to very concretely illustrate the way that structures can impact care. But I think that structural forces are at play in almost every clinical interaction if we choose to use that as an opportunity to think about it. I work with migrant and seasonal farm workers as part of my practice, and I include residents and learners in that experience. And unfortunately, individuals in that population have a whole variety of vulnerabilities that are very easy to experience directly, as in this case, when we go and provide care in the way that we do. So in a mobile setting, we drive our unit to perhaps the patient's work site or their housing site. And providers are able to literally see the effects of large social structures on our patients' lived realities. And that isn't always the case for most of us in clinical practice. We're working in exam rooms and in hospitals. But I think when we come across something that is particularly challenging, 
we could partner with other people or use that opportunity to think differently and then explore in different ways how structures may be at play. So perhaps there are community health workers available in your outpatient clinic, and they might be able to communicate more about a patient's barriers to care or communicate at the level of the community what some of the community's priorities are related to their health care. I also think about another example might be if you're working at a population level, perhaps looking at stroke outcomes in your healthcare system, you might begin your work looking at hospital workflows or order sets, or you may even be looking at pre-hospital care and protocols with EMS providers. But if you continue to think structurally about that particular problem, that might lead you out into the community where you could learn about the disparities perhaps in resources in different communities within the hospital's catchment area that make EMS services differently accessible to different people. Or perhaps you have conversations with members of the community and learn that in certain areas the population is reticent to access EMS services for whatever reason. Or you explore the historical context of people's relationship with your healthcare system over time. And these are very, very large issues, but I think as we learn to think about structures and learn to appreciate their importance, regardless of whether we're working with an individual patient or with a sort of a population problem, we can seek out the experience of structure through partnering with other people and moving out of our clinical environment. So finally, you talk about the size and scope of some of these problems. What can physicians do when they identify a structural diagnosis, but they can't act on it? Perhaps it's too big, it's too entrenched. Where do they go? That's a great question. It's sort of the key question when you get to the end of this concept. What am I supposed to do as a busy physician with limited time and resources in the face of these very large, overwhelming problems? And I think that to start with, it's just very important not to underestimate the power of the language that we use, and also to remind ourselves that our role as physicians is in designating and explaining the causes of illness, both to our patients and also to society at large. And so as we practice thinking structurally, just that awareness, the ability to generate the structural differential and to give it the same credence as a clinical differential, that ability changes the prevailing narrative about what causes illness and it broadens the possibilities that we have to intervene at different levels. Even if we ourselves in that moment are not the ones structuring the intervention. So when I sit with my individual patients, I've found that just my awareness of structure and how it might be impacting their situation and their illness affects the way that I relate to them. So people that previously were very frustrating for me or that I might have judged as non-adherent or unengaged, or in those same situations I may have judged myself as having not done a good enough job motivating them to make changes. As I acknowledge the structural forces that are also active in that interaction, it releases a little bit of that tension and allows me not to blame the patient or myself necessarily for what seems to be a poor outcome. And so that's just at the level of an individual patient, but one can conceive of intervening in structure at a whole variety of levels. And there are colleagues of mine that work in California sort of sharing ideas around structural competency. 
with clinicians and other educators, and they have articulated levels of intervention for structure. And they can include the interpersonal, such as what I've just been describing, identifying our own biases and the way that we judge ourselves and patients. But a clinician thinking structurally might be motivated to examine workflows within their own clinic that may make it difficult for some people to access care than others. Or clinicians who are primarily involved in research may, with a structural awareness, may frame their inquiry differently. They may ask different questions of their data as they acknowledge the impact that structure might have on whatever it is that they're studying. And then there are physicians who feel comfortable working at the level of advocacy or in politics and sort of speaking externally to the public about illness or advocating for populations in different ways. And so I think each of us are working in different spheres of influence and with different skill sets, but the ability that we have and the intention that we can set to think structurally will transform our practice at any number of levels. And hopefully as we work sort of collectively with a newer or different understanding of of illness, it can lead us closer to addressing the root causes of health inequities and disparities in our society. Thank you, Dr. Seymour.